All right, thank you, Pastor Joel and team, and thank you all for joining in song. And want to say welcome to you all in the room and also those online. We're glad you're all engaged with us. Let's dive into God's Word together. So if you've got your scriptures, however you turn in your scriptures, let's do that. We're going to go to the Old Testament to the book of Joshua. And I want to say this for those following along with the, the Bible app and our version notes. I've put lots of extra scriptures in there for you that you can look at kind of on your own time because we're going to cover a lot this morning. Now you may not know this, the book of Joshua is actually called a bridge book. And I don't know, you probably haven't noticed how many bridges are around, but I started noticing we got lots of bridges. And so yesterday as I was driving, kind of on my regular kind of routine, I, I, I came across 11 bridges that I crossed yesterday. 11 bridges. So next time you're out driving around, you might do that. But Joshua is a bridge book because of this. Joshua, the book of Joshua, bridges the time Israel spent in slavery to the time they spent in the promised land. It bridges that gap, that time span from when they were in slavery until they were in the promised land. And there is a leader that led them, and his name is Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 1, we find his calling, what some refer to as his commission. And I want to share it with you, and I want to read it along with you. And I want us to engage our heads, and I want us to engage our hearts. And so here's how I want to do this. I want you to engage your head by, as we read this passage together, I want you to pay attention to certain phrases that are repeated or certain words that are repeated. So I want you to engage your head, but I want you to also engage your heart. And what I mean by this is Joshua, the book of Joshua, it's a narrative it's a story. And so as we read this story, let's engage a heart by, by kind of trying to step in Joshua's place. And so let's look, Joshua chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through verse 9. So can you do that with me? Thank you, the three or four of you. Here we go. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. So now arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot steps, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon and even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No one will be able to oppose you in all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not desert you nor abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may achieve success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will achieve success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Now this, my friends, is what I would call a changeover box moment. A changeover box moment. If you've been to a track meet, you've seen this. One of the most popular events in track and field is the 4 by 100 It's a relay race, and where they exchange the baton is called the changeover box or the changeover zone. And a lot can happen in this 20 meters. You can get ahead. You can get behind. You can get disqualified. A lot happens in this box where one runner takes the baton, and he passes or she passes to the next runner. And a lot can happen. And in these few verses, we're seeing a changeover box moment. We're seeing one leader pass the baton to another. And you read it in the scriptures. Verse 2, it says, Moses is dead. And it says that Moses served the Lord, but now it's time for Joshua to arise. And serve the Lord just as Moses did. And so if you can imagine the scene, Moses is handing off this baton. And now it's Joshua's turn to run the race. It's Joshua's turn to take the lead. And Joshua, he's a unique character in the scriptures. One is he's a man of great humility. And we learn that when we look at this passage, and we see in verse 1, did you catch this, that Joshua is Moses' servant? Joshua served Moses. He humbled himself. He considered Moses and Moses' efforts more important than his own. Joshua was a man of great humility. But Joshua was also a man of great faith. A man of great faith. And I want to show you this. In Numbers chapter 14, we're going to see where Joshua's faith comes out. You see, Joshua, 40 years prior to the story we're reading, Joshua was one of 12 men that were hand-selected to go into the promised land, the land of Canaan. And they were to go and collect information and get data, if you will, and spy on the land and bring back a report. And they bring back the report to Moses and the congregation, to the people of God, And notice Joshua and his friend Caleb. Notice their faith. In Numbers chapter 14, beginning at verse 7. And it says, and they, that's Joshua and Caleb. Notice the other ten are not a part there of these two. Spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then we will bring us into this land and give it to us. The land which flows with milk And honey, that doesn't sound really good to me, but I bet it is. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. I love that. They will be our prey. This is Joshua, and this is his faith coming out. Joshua, take the lead. But not just take the lead, Joshua is going to be told to take the land. Look at verse 2. Now arise. Now arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Joshua, take the land. Now over the next few verses, you're going to read and you're going to see that there's one word mentioned several times, and it's the word give. And it's God basically saying to Joshua, I'm giving you all this land. But you'll also notice in these verses that God has boundaries of what this land and where it will be. 
And so he says to Joshua, Joshua, take the land. Take the land. But now go with me down to verse 8. I want you to see this. In verse 8 it says, This book of the law, we would call it the Bible, the scriptures. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So he says, Joshua, proclaim the book. Share the book. Teach the book. Speak about the book. But he doesn't stop there. But you shall meditate on it day and night. So proclaim the book. But then he says also meditate on the book. It's this idea of speaking in low tones to yourself kind of reminding yourself. Now, I enjoy all kinds of music. Lately, I've been listening to Waylon Jennings. And so maybe in our backyard, like I'd had last night, I had Waylon Jennings playing on her little speaker or maybe in my car or, or just in the house. And, and, and I noticed, as that's kind of playing in the background, I noticed the impact it's making. Because one of my sons said, hey, Dad, can you, can you make me a playlist? And I said, sure. And he goes, um, will you put Ramblin' Man on there? Waylon Jennings. You see, what happens is we have these sounds in our life that are kind of background noise that we don't realize that we're absorbing, we're meditating on. And the book should be the background sound of our life, where at times we need to turn it up. So he said, Joshua, proclaim the book, Joshua, meditate on the book. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps going. And he says, so that... So proclaim the book, meditate on the book. Why? So that you may be careful to do according according to all that is written in it. Joshua, apply the book. Joshua, do the book. Practice the book. Don't just know the book. Live the book. And our elders are so committed to us being a people passionate about applying the word of God. One of our 2023 hills is that we would be a church that looks to live out the book. It's one of our four hills. We want to be a people that applies the word of God. We want to be like Joshua. And then notice what he says, for then you, Joshua, so as you proclaim the book, as you meditate on the book, as you apply the book, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. And so necessary, don't miss this, necessary to Joshua's success of taking the lead and taking the land is a personal commitment to the book. Joshua Treasure the book. Treasure the book. The very words of God. Proclaim it, meditate on it, and apply it. And so here's some reflection for us to do this morning. Whether you're in the room or you're watching online. If you were to rate your commitment to the book, how would you fare? Are you proclaiming the book? Am I proclaiming the book? Are you meditating on the book? Am I meditating on the book? Am I, am I applying the book? Are you applying the book? How is your personal commitment to the book? And maybe this is a question you can have around the dinner table with your kiddos, maybe in your connection group, maybe in your adult Bible study, but let's get serious about having a personal 
commitment to the book. This is the assignment that God has given Joshua. And what an assignment. Joshua, take the lead. Joshua, take the land and treasure the book. What an assignment. Now, if you'll notice, as we read the first nine verses, did you notice a phrase that was repeated three times? Anybody? Thank you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Be strong and courageous three times. Now, I think the reason that God had to say that to Joshua was that Joshua maybe had some fear or the people of God had some, maybe some fear kind of stirring in their hearts and in their heads. You know, fear is like, like an uninvited guest that stays too long, way too long. How many of you have ever been maybe with coffee with someone or lunch with someone or in a meeting with someone and someone just kind of invites, them in, invites themselves in and kind of hijacks the meeting? This happened recently to one of my friends. He was at a local restaurant with a friend he was going to catch up with. They're sitting there trying to have a conversation and catch up and someone literally pulls up a chair and, and interrupts their entire lunch. And this is what fear can do. Fear can show up like an uninvited guest and start to linger and linger and stay too long. And so put, put yourself in, in Joshua's place. I mean, take, take the lead, take the land, treasure the book. Like, I try to think like what what was he afraid of? I mean, God told him, be strong and courageous. So he had to have some kind of fear. And I thought, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's the fear of comparison. I mean, go back and look at verse 2. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now arise. Now, you know when Moses died, we read this in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 34. When Moses died, they didn't cry. They wept for 30 years. Days, it tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 8. So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. 30 days they wept for their leader. A few verses down in Deuteronomy 34, verse 10, it says this about Moses. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and all his land, for all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. So here is Moses. I mean, face-to-face conversations with God. He could do these amazing miracles and perform these amazing wonders. When he died, the people wept for 30 days. There's no one like Moses. And Joshua gets tagged to follow Moses. Now, who wants that? Now, I would follow Judas, but I would not want to follow Moses. And Joshua has to step in and follow arguably the greatest leader that ever walked the planet besides Jesus. And so I just wonder, did in, in, in Joshua's gut, did he have this fear of comparison or maybe a fear of the unknown? Maybe a fear of the unknown. In verse 2, it says, cross this Jordan. And so Joshua is called to take the lead. He's in charge of well over a million people. 
And the mission is to cross this Jordan, this river into this promised land. This, this land that is characterized as being great with giants and mighty fortresses. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Numbers chapter 13, 40 years prior, when the spies came back, this is the report that they gave of Canaan, the promised land, that Joshua is supposed to enter. In Numbers 13, verse 28, the spies, this is what they're saying. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And indeed, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That means these giant individuals. But the men who had gone up with them, who with him said, we are not able to go up against the people because they are too strong for us. So they brought a bad report of the land, which they had spied out to the sons of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in, in it are people of great stature. We saw the Nephilim there, and we are like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Joshua crossed the Jordan into this land where you're going to be seen as grasshoppers. Joshua crossed the Jordan where you're going to face giants. Joshua crossed this Jordan where you're going to face mighty fortresses like Jericho. And I wonder, in Joshua's gut, was there this fear of the unknown? As he stood there. Or maybe he experienced the fear of rejection. See, we are maybe familiar with the people of Israel. They're probably not a great bunch to be around. They do a lot of complaining and a lot of grumbling. And notice what they told Moses. In Numbers 14, you'll read this passage, and they're, they're arguing and they're grumbling against Moses in Numbers 14, I just want us to look at verse 4, the very end. It says, and so they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Now, if they treated Moses this way, then Joshua, they're probably going to treat you this way. But I just wonder, did Joshua have this fear of rejection stirring his gut and his head and so I mean just imagine 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 being Joshua you are called to follow the greatest leader that's ever led on this planet biblical or non-biblical I think Moses could be could arguably be the, considered the best leader ever and you have to step in his shoes. And not just step in his shoes, then you have to cross this, this Jordan River and face this, these giants and these strong fortresses with a people whose reputation is one of grumbling and complaining. And so I do think there was probably some fear stirring in Joshua and the people because God said to him, be strong and courageous. And so maybe the same for you this morning. Maybe you've been called to take the lead in some adventure with some task, some assignment at school, at work, in your neighborhood, but you have fear of something. Maybe like, like me, you have this fear of being compared to somebody else. 
Or maybe it's a fear of unknown, not, not knowing what's going to happen in our country. Or maybe you have, like I, you have this really serious fear of rejection, of people not accepting you, of people not liking you. See, Joshua was called to arise and advance. But here's what fear causes us to do. It causes us to stay asleep and retreat. And we want to be a church, even amidst a pandemic, that is about advancing and arising. Just as Joshua. And so how do we keep the, keep the uninvited guest of fear from lingering around in our hearts and our heads? How do we, how do we fight fear? Well, verse 9 helps us. Have I not commanded you, God says to Joshua? Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed. Now, unfortunately, if you've grown up in church, this is where we typically stop with this verse. And we're told, we're told, just be strong and courageous. Fight your fears. And that's where we stop. But the source of Joshua's strength to be strong and courageous does not come from within and it doesn't come from Moses. It comes from God. Look at the rest of this verse. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's the source of his strength and courage. You know, when I was, there's been two times in my life when I remember being afraid one was in middle school and one was when I was in college. And I, I remember these two times vividly. And I remember the only thing that helped me in those two times was the presence of my dad. I remember being in middle school and I was scared and I couldn't go to sleep until I knew dad was home. And when I knew dad was home, then I could be strong and courageous. But before he got home, you could have told me, Eric, be strong and courageous. You could have given me a book about being strong and courageous. You could have given me a sermon about being strong and courageous. But I could not be strong and courageous on my own. I didn't have any willpower. I didn't have enough passion. But when my dad showed up, that's when I could be strong and courageous. And I've realized I often have more faith in my fears than in my heavenly father. But God is calling Joshua. He's calling Joshua to find his source of strength and courage, not in himself, but in God. And this verse is so important for us to learning how to fight fear that we want to memorize it as we go through this sermon series. And so would you do this with me just for a moment? I'm going to put Joshua 1-9 on the screen, and I want us to say it together because our goal is we go through the series. Before we finish the series, as a congregation, as a people of faith, we want to have this memorized. So would you say it with me this morning, whether you're in here or maybe you're online? Can we say this together? Let's try this. Here we go. 
Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Let's memorize that together. And one last thing that we skipped over on purpose because I wanted to save it for the very end. If you look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, there's a phrase that says this. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. Joshua, take the lead, take the land, treasure the book. And oh, by the way, Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I'm with you, my friend. And I like to think that Joshua, maybe he started reflecting on the times he had seen God with Moses. Like when Moses was standing in front of the Red Sea and God parted it. Or maybe the time when, when Joshua was fighting Amalek and his army and Moses was sitting on the mountain with his hands raised. And as long as Moses' hands were raised, Joshua was winning the battle. Or this time that Moses is in the tent of meeting, it's called, and Joshua was nearby and saw this meeting between Moses and God. And matter of fact, when Moses left, the scripture says that Joshua would not leave the tent. And so I wondered, as, as God said to Moses, just as I'm with Moses, I'm with you, Joshua. I wonder if Joshua started thinking about all these memories. I think God said that to Joshua because Joshua needed that encouragement. Hey, just as I was with Moses, I'm with you. So yes, as we dive into the book of Joshua, you'll see it's a bridge. It's a bridge that gaps the time that Israel spent in slavery to the time they spent in the promised land. But you know what, friends? As a Christ follower, the book of Joshua is kind of like a bridge for us today. You know, many of us as Christ followers, we've died to our sin and we are no longer condemned and we're on our way to the promised land, right? But for the time being, we're being led by not Joshua, the greater Joshua, and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says, and Jesus says, that he will not leave us or forsake us, but he is with us to the very end of the age. Amen? Let's pray. All right, I first want to pray for the one among us who's maybe separated from God and far from Christ. And so, Father, would you please, would your Holy Spirit do a work among us in this moment? For the one who is not a follower of Christ, would your Spirit come and do the work of illumination and do the work of renewing that person and turning them, their heart to you? And now, Father, I pray for the rest of us, those of us that have been walking with you for a short time or for a long time. God, we confess we cannot be strong or courageous on our own. We confess that we need your help. Father, I imagine there are men and women and boys and girls and young adults in this room that for some time they have, they've tried their hardest to be strong and courageous. But this morning they've heard the promise that our courage and our strength comes from you, our God. And so may you be the source of our strength and courage. May you lead us. May you help us to take the lead. May you help us to take the land. May you help us to treasure the book. And it's in the great name of our King Jesus we pray. Amen.